Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. I'm here in our online studio with two friends from England. So Gareth Crispin and Robin Barfield are here. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Doing well, thanks. Yeah, glad to have you guys. So uh, Gareth Crispin is the lecturer in practical theology at Cliff College, which is in Derbyshire, England. And I know I just butchered that. I could see you just cringing on the computer screen. Like, what was that? But Derbyshire, how, 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 what's the proper way? Just go sh at the end. Derbyshire. Lovely. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. See, my Bostonian would say Derbyshire. Yeah. Derbyshire. Ooh. It, my, my, the Boston accent would say Derbyshire. Okay. Anyway, uh, and Robin Barfield, I don't know what's happening here. Robin Barfield is the associate uh, minister of children and families at Christ College in Winsford, England. And he's a visiting lecturer at Oak Hill College and, and Union Colleges. And uh, I'm so thrilled to have you both uh, on this episode. And it's going to be a fun one. So you guys have both. Uh, Robin just sent in his PhD dissertation yesterday. Yes. Uh, Gareth, you completed and graduated with your PhD last um, yeah, year. So yeah. um, Robin, since you're... Still unwinding from sending it in. Uh, yeah. Could you just give us a, a brief glimpse into what what's your dissertation all about? Yeah, so I'm contrasting um, two models of children's ministry. Um, uh, so uh, one is is the kind of UK evangelical publishing published children's ministry in terms of Sunday morning sessions, um, uh, and contrasting that with something called godly play, which most definitely isn't evangelical, but we find evangelicals using it. And so yeah. it's kind of putting the two together and saying, look. Um, Actually, I think we need to do better for our children, um, and mm -hmm. and we need to produce something that's more robustly theological and coherent, um, and serves our children better. Yeah, that's incredible. Have you um, have you engaged with Jared Kennedy at all? A have little you? bit online, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like we need to connect you guys to talk more because oh, that'd be great. Yeah, he would. He's he would be all about that. Um, and Gareth, what was your work on? Uh, so my work, which is nowhere near as important as Robin's, uh, his PhD is going to be really, really, really explosive. It's going to be so important for everyone in, involved in children. Every, everybody's <laughs> going to hate it. Everybody. But, that, but, that's, but that's why that's why it's so important. You know, if, if no one hates your work, it can't really be blamed. What are you even doing? Yeah, exactly. You know, so um, yeah, hardly anyone's hated my work yet, which says something, I think. But I, I look at family ministry and intergenerational church. Uh, in the UK, uh, and so what I was doing, I was I was asking the question: what what inhibits uh, or encourages family ministry in intergenerational church? And I do, I looked at three uh, case studies in uh, Anglican churches in the UK. So yeah, that's what I did. So coming up with a kind of uh, ideas about you know obviously we can back that out to say well what can we do to encourage family ministry in intergenerational church? So yeah, that's what I was doing. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, could you inform um, our, our listeners a little bit more about the, what is the state of, of youth work in, um, in the UK? What, what's happening? Um, and uh, I had the, the privilege of coming out in uh, last year uh, for the, the Growing Young Disciples Conference. And so I got to spend about a week and a half um, out in the UK and learning more about um, the church and youth work and talking to a lot of youth workers um, there. So th- that was really informative and helpful for me as a, an American youth worker who I just, I, I, I know what I know about youth ministry from the American publishers, and that tends to be where most of the money is. So that's kind of the dominant voice. But there's so much uh, for us to benefit and to learn from from our, our, our UK-based uh, brothers and sisters doing good work. So could you just share a little bit about what's happening in uh, the UK? Do you, do you want to go first, Robin, or do you want me to go? You go first. You go first. Okay, so uh, the obvious thing to say, which I'm sure is true for the US as well, is it depends where you are, uh, yep. what kind of uh, denomination you're in, what kind of tribe, you know, what kind of theological... Uh, position you take on things, yeah, the youth ministry is different in different places. Um, I guess one of the things that's different from that we could say right from the outset that's different from the US is the impact of um, statutory youth work in the UK uh, and the difference that's made on the church. So we have a history in this country which dates back, uh, well, 40 years or more um, of having a statutory, so a legal, a state based legal youth work which had yeah. an accreditation and had a and still has. Um, uh, you know, kind of a thing that you, you know, qualification you did to be accredited to do youth work in a secular sense. Now, for various reasons, that became connected with what the church was doing. So there's a lot of a lot of youth work training. So well, the majority of youth work training in this country pre- prior to about the last five years uh, was um, not only kind of, if you like, um, oriented around the, the needs of the church, but it was also there to meet the principles of of, of secular youth work in this country, which which had a very profound impact on it, actually, in terms of its direction, um, some of which was good, uh, some some less so. Um, and that's now collapsed for a variety of reasons, Most mostly to do with really the, the lack of funding in state-based youth work now, which means there's very little point in some ways in getting that qualification. But that's something that's very different to, to the US. So that's why we often use yeah. the word youth work. That's because that's what the state sector calls it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why we call it that um, in churches we often call youth ministry, but that's why the youth work is a language here. Um, so obviously we're a much more you know sort of secular country, um, and and that that fuels a different way of of looking at youth ministry as well. So we're doing a lot more uh, youth work, if you like, um, outside the church. So a lot of, a lot of people will be doing much more, um, you know, kind of meeting people where they're at. They're out there. They're doing detached work. They're they're doing youth clubs. Um, they're not in churches doing youth work. Um, that, that is going on as well, um, but that's something that will be, will be happening much more uh, in, in the UK. Um, for various for various reasons, the kind of statutory thing included, that youth work in this country has um, in some ways got to a crisis point, not necessarily in every place, it's different in different places, but a crisis point where um, in some ways youth workers, I think, don't know really what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, so there's been some really interesting studies looking at youth workers and saying, what do you think you're doing? And um, and when you dig beneath that kind of initial answer to the question, they, they really don't know what they're doing and why, um, mm-hmm. and they have no biblical basis for it. They'll have heard um, heard a, a seminar or they've read a book and they just base what they're doing off the back of that. So there's been an untethering yeah. from scripture. There's been an untethering from church tradition. 
Um, um, so that's not to say there's lo- not loads of great stuff going on. And actually, right. the conference you came to, Mike, the GYD conference, is, is a great example of, of you know, what there are 300, 330 people gathered in a room that are doing some really great ministry uh, with a capital M, really, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't want to take away from that. But that's just some of the, the backdrop to, to what's been going on yeah. in, in the last few decades. What been like? I've been waffling. You can pick that up. Yeah, so I think, and, and you know, in terms of moving a little bit more towards some of the analysis that we've kind of seen and come up with, I guess what, what Gareth was talking about there is what we would term a, a kind of bottom-up model of youth ministry. That is where the, the young person sets the agenda and we listen to their agency um, and hear what they, mm-hmm. what's going on. And on the other side, um, that is the kind of, I guess you might call it, you know, biblical youth ministry, uh, where it, it, the, almost the, the the kind of feeling is, well, we know what we're doing. If they don't, if they've lost their way, we know. And what yeah. we do is we teach the Bible, um, mm-hmm. which is a kind of top down model. Um, and actually, that's become almost a little bit sealed, hermetically sealed off from the rest of youth ministry in, in some ways, such that we don't listen to them and they don't listen to us. And it's almost become each side has. It has a tendency to become more, yeah. um, I don't want to use the word extreme, but um, more yeah. set in their ways and not listening to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, um, it's, just, so it, it's just so interesting because in, in the States, we just have such a strict separation of church and state that the idea of the church receiving money from the state to do anything is just so um, strange and foreign uh, to us. So, how does that? Um, yeah, how, how how does that collaboration between the church and the state then trickle down? You think and affect yeah, ministry I, to youth and children? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to overplay the the, the money yeah. aspect yeah, because yeah. you know we're bankrupt. Well, his, or historically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you, people people doing youth work uh, yeah. where they yeah, do get money from uh, from the state to do certain things, so long as there's no proselytizing, no evangelism going on in that setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the influence is is not so much in the government gives money and therefore you have to do what they say, although that does happen. Um, it's much more in the impact it had on training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I think yeah. that's the important yeah. bit because what it meant was if you ran in theological colleges, if you ran a youth ministry degree. Right. Um, but it had what we call the JNC validation, which is the state statutory based uh, validation. So it also had that. It had both of them, gave you two qualifications effectively in yeah, one. Yeah. And yeah. um, that meant you had to have certain things in your degree. And if you had those things in the degree, you didn't have other things in the degree. So it kind of shaped the way that people were taught. Okay. And I was say that's collapsed because the state funding has collapsed because, you know, mm-hmm. Britain's run out of money. Um, so, if, Mike, if you've got any money for us, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, I guess the other side of things is, is schooling, um, in that yeah. actually a lot of schools are keen to have, say, the local vicar or the local minister or the yeah. youth worker, children's worker to come in and do regular assemblies or lessons. Or, uh-huh. um, you know, some, some will even be church schools yeah. that are funded by the state because they're Church of England, but, you know, funded by the Church of England as well. Yeah. And, and, and that whole, uh, which which can be slightly confusing between what, what are we trying to do? Are we ha, ha, is this a yeah. Christian school or a church school or you know and and but but they will be keen to have Christian uh, assemblies mm-hmm. and and lessons and teaching. Yeah. 
So I, I think this is heightened um, kind of the, the topic that we're discussing today, right? And this, how do we think about what youth ministry is, um, and how do we um, structure our our own ministries to make and build lifelong disciples of Christ? Um, so. Um, you guys sent me a, a paper that you've co-authored together talking about top-down and bottom-up youth work. And uh, could you just share with our, our listeners here, uh, what, what is that? I know, Robin, you've already teased that a bit, but could you um, elucidate for us um, yeah. top-down, bottom-up? Yeah, so I guess when we talk about um, top-down, we'd be talking about us and most of our uh, most of your listeners, I would imagine, um, and and the kind of tribe that we come from in the UK, that would be uh, that would say, look, we have revelation. Um, God has something to say to us, and and therefore we have something to impart to the young people. So a kind of top down, God speaks, we listen, kind of approach, um, and and you know that has a that has a tendency to to move to the uh, a kind of quadrant potentially quite an extreme position so in some of my research i've seen amongst the children's ministry publications it, it is all about um uh, it, here's a passage and i'm going to tell you what it says and you mm-hmm. better just believe it um such that to the point where I, I did some training for a church um and it became very clear that these children's leaders would grab a copy of the the material that they've been given walk into the class read it out and walk out again yeah and they think they've done their job okay yeah. i've told you what this passage said i i, yeah. I you know i'm i'm big up you know uh, preaching is big right i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna preach at you yeah. um and and i think you know gareth do you want to talk uh, do you want to move on to the bottom up kind of approach yes yeah, so the bottom up bottom-up approach, which is, is much more, you'd find much more, in, I guess, progressive circles, more liberal circles, but mm-hmm. is influenced also by, in the UK, by that informal uh, youth work approach. It starts with the young person and their experience. They are they are the agent, if you like. They're where the action is. They're where, you know, the source of revelation is. Um, yeah. And so instead of doing ministry to young people in the way that Robin has just described, yeah. we're very much doing youth ministry uh, with young people or even mm-hmm. it's youth it's youth youth doing the youth ministry to us if you like yeah. they're, they're yeah, yeah. the youth ministers they're, yeah. uh, and it's, it's that way of looking at things so it's very grassroots it's very democratic it's very un or non let's say non-hierarchical whereas the other yeah. approach would be yeah. much happier with hierarchy um, yeah. and so yeah that's what that's what we would mean by bottom up you know, we're looking uh, for that revelation if you like even we could use that word um, to come from from the bottom up, and yeah. I mean, I guess I'd say at this point that the reason that Robin and I started thinking this about what three years ago, Robin or so, we started yeah. thinking about this um, was that you know, once we had this kind of a, a conference, we suddenly had th- this idea. Hold on, there's two things going on here. And we started playing around with that idea, and then whenever we saw something else, uh, we read a book, we heard a talk, we kind of look at each other and go, "Hey, that's that's that thing again. It's ministry to or ministry with. This is two yeah. approaches." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is this is these are two very different philosophies of ministry here, and we saw it in models. You know, the way you know the way you might approach youth ministry in yep. general, yep. or we saw it in the approach to an issue in particular, whether that might be educational sexuality or disability, and you saw those two approaches in there as well. Sorry, Robin, you were going. 
Same yeah, thing. so right. So, I mean, for example, I've I've just read a book on four views on trans understanding transgender identity, which mm-hmm. we, you know, I read the first chapter and it's like, right, this is what the Bible says, okay? You know, kind of yeah. boom. Um, and then the next chapter was, oh, you've just not talked to transgender people, um, and it, you've not understood them. So you've got this kind of top down, bottom up going yeah. on with yeah. within all these pastoral issues. So, so you might want to you might want to say the top down emphasizes information. Yeah. The bottom up emphasizes affirmation, um, yeah. and and actually that that is a I think that's quite a fracture certainly in UK youth children's you know and family ministry as well um, that that kind of I think we're seeing increasing divides um, between mm-hmm. between those two approaches and those two philosophies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, in terms of my research with family mission, intergenerational church, what's been really interesting is that fracture runs right down the middle of that. And again, this is not to say that, um, that you, you don't find people crossing categories and uh, etc. So it's not to put people in buckets they can never get out yeah, of. But, yeah. but family ministry tends to be more of a top-down approach. It's, it's affirming something which is um, yeah. inherently hierarchical in a sense, um, you yeah. know, it's very much driven from scripture. So you go to all the classic texts, Deuteronomy, Ephesians, etc. Um, and it's ministry to young people, to children, whereas an intergenerational approach in the technical sense, and by that I mean um, the sense in which it's used in the literature, is much more about uh, hearing the voice of, of children and young people in the church community. There's a bi-directionality in teaching. There's a mutuality in the learning process. We're wanting to actually listen to what they're, they're going to teach us as much as we teach them. So it's interesting that even family mission international church fall fall on those uh, uh, um, either side of that fracture that Robin's just talked about. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that you know conservative evangelicals or whatever you want to call them can't do intergenerational church. In fact, that's one of no, the things I'm really yeah. working on. Or yeah. that more progressive people can't do family ministry. But there is a general tendency to divide on that issue for the for the reason of top down bottom up. Yeah. Well, and even even more, I mean, Robin's dissertation is focusing on yeah. children yeah. and family ministry, and right. yours is on intergenerational. Right. So, I mean, even just the way that you both are approaching things is saying, yeah, there's there's something really good here, yeah. but, <laughs> but there's also something that can go terribly wrong and completely miss the plot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On both cases. And I think, you know, we're, if we're going to hit youth ministry and start talking about that a little bit more directly um i think it's fair to say you know young young people are developmentally at a stage of uh, um working out what the world means yeah. um, which you know their world gets bigger and uh, what, i'm trying to remember what kind of westerhoff and fowler call it like synthetic conventional that is they're trying to synthesize their old beliefs with these new kind of wider world that they're seeing how do i make sense of suddenly my world's got bigger how do i make sense of all these new things that are crowding in uh, yeah, and, and therefore there'll be doubts and questions and things that they want to explore um and so if if we stand up front and i believe in preaching if we stand up front and say i'm going to tell you what colossians one means yeah. if we've got a nice middle class youth group um sorry class is probably a bit more of a a british expression but you know a, a nice well-behaved youth group they'll yeah. sit there and go yes and nod nicely but inside they're going what a load of rubbish as soon as i can not come anymore i'm going to stop coming uh, and, see my students uh, just I, lean back and cross their arms and 
Yeah, just count, the ceil- count, the, count the ceiling tiles or yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. And, you know. and because because I work in a working class area, my kids are brilliant. And if yeah. I'm talking, if I'm if I'm talking nonsense, they'll tell me and they'll yeah. chuck stuff at me, yeah. right? Um, so you know, we learn we learn it in different ways. Yeah, but there is that sense of, and I think this is where we want to get to. In can we move on to the kind of what we'd see as the solution, if that's right? You know, so actually, what is going on? in ministry is that individuals are meeting are encountering god yeah. that's what we want to happen yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, therefore there is information um uh, but so so there are two parties coming together Th- they're not equal parties you've got god and the young person but it is a relational meeting um and therefore that's a two-way process uh, and when we encounter God, instead of just information or affirmation, mm-hmm. we find transformation when we encounter God. Uh, and so when we're preaching and when we're teaching the Bible, we we have to take into account what the young people think about it and how they're going to respond. We have to allow them space to go, oi, that's, that's nonsense. What are you talking about? I don't believe that. Have yeah. you ever met any of my trans mates? You know, we, we, we need to allow space for that to happen and for them to challenge and and ask and respond and uh, and engage with it because it's not just kind of, here's what it says, you better believe it or, or walk away. Yeah. yeah. I, Mike, this might, I don't know if this translates or not because I don't, I don't know what, what it's like in the US. I think certainly in, in, in the UK, my experience yeah, we have in, in our in our if you like our tribe, our, our conservative evangelical, reformed evangelical kind of perspective. It's it's almost like a, a you know, and actually I've just thought of this. Maybe it is linked to a a, 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 a sense in which some a, a significant amount of that tribe is cessationist in terms of their theology of the spirit. Yeah, as in as in the the gifts yeah. of the spirit stopped at, at yeah. the end uh, once the canon of scripture had been written at the end of the age of the apostles. There is a kind of sense in which the spirit seems to be downplayed. Um, now I'm not charismatic, yeah. you know. Yeah. But the spirit yeah. does seem to be downplayed. And but you are a Trinitarian. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, amen. Right, I mean, and that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, and almost it's almost as if um, faith development is not is not spiritual in some way, or, or I'm going to even use the word supernatural. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like I preach, and I know I, in theory, I sense the idea that the spirit is going to take the preached word and do the job. It's it, you know that the word is yeah. supposed to do, and so I know that because I've read my doctrine book and I sense <laughs> that. But actually, do yeah. I really believe that something supernatural is going on, where the spirit right. of God, the spirit of the living God, is meeting the spirit of this human individual in front of me, and that one, yeah. and that one, yeah. they might reject. They might they might accept you know repent and believe or not but there's a, there's a spiritual encounter going on and I just don't think this might just be me <laughs> or it might just be the UK yeah but I think I did years and years of youth ministry where I think I've done the thing I need to do and actually mm-hmm. I wasn't focused there's a super what is what is the yeah. spirit doing in this moment and I thought I guess I also reflected maybe if I'd said that or thought like that I'd, I'd be way too charismatic or something and I'm you know and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a charismatic but I don't know yeah. And, and to kind of put some theological flesh on, on, on the kind of the bones that we're talking around here, um, in particular, so we, it, it, what we're suggesting um, comes from a uh, Princeton educationalist called James Loder, um, who uses the model of Chalcedon, which is the, the kind of incarnation, as a model for how creator and creature encounter each other, right. uh, how, they, how they come together. So that's not incarnational ministry. 
that's totally different um, because it's not that the minister is to be the incarnate Christ. That's not what we mean. It, it, it simply means that the way that um, uh, spirit and flesh came together in Christ is 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 the model for how uh, humanity encounters the living God. Yeah. And, and and James Loder talks about um, the Holy Spirit, um, the, sorry, the human spirit being designed to. F- to encounter the Holy Spirit, that that's the point of of encounter right. that goes on. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and and so uh, yeah, and and so that that's the kind of theological flesh that we're trying to put on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. So let me um, uh, we'll get to the the incarnational uh, framework in a minute. Um, so here's how I think it through from the stateside context is. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and uh, I, I didn't realize this until I, I heard you guys talking about it. It's kind of like the article that I actually just recently posted uh, on Youth Pastor Theologian of trying to just remind students and parents and youth workers what is faith. Um, and just that faith without risk is not faith. Um, that faith without... Um, If we're not actually doing anything, and if we don't actually need God anywhere, then faith is just an idea. Mm. Faith is not then faith. Mm. Um, And so, I'm concerned, I guess, by how often have I, not just others, but how often have I tried to make disciples and graduated students from, from my ministry without ever setting them into a context where they actually needed to practice faith. And how many of us as parents are, you know, we're teaching our kids and we're catechizing our kids and we're doing all the Christian things. Our kids have all the good information. Um, but, you know, we're conservative evangelicals. I'm not a progressive, so we're not doing those progressive type of things we yeah. do what we do right and like this yeah. is like the some of the isolation that you guys were talking about earlier yeah. and the isolation looks different in the uk than it does here right so i'm, I'm using the state side language to t- help yeah. translate um but that it's like well that's not what we do that's what those people do that's what those christians do that's not what we christians do so we're going to do this but then you give your kids um so much safety and so much affirmation mixed with the information, but you never bring them together to set your kids in a context where they actually need to trust God. Hmm. Um, And so then kids walk away from faith saying, well, I mean, I grew up in church and I've never actually experienced God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, yes, because like we never put you in a, risky spot and that can sound really wrong like set your kids up for failure put them in place of risk but like challenge them like give them opportunities yeah. to try hard things and to actually step out um to initiate hard conversations yeah with, yeah. with their friends like, yeah. so it's not like a physical risk or, or anything like that you never set a kid up for failure but we do want to challenge them and i'm concerned by how many conservative um theologically conservative, gospel-centered, reformed, whatever label you want to put on it, how many um, theologically-minded youth workers um, 
they teach doctrine, they teach the Bible, they teach all the right things, and then when kids don't respond, they say uh, they chalk it up to oh well, that's students' hard hearts, right? Yeah, the, I did my the job. Apostle, the Apostle Paul warned us about this. It's just people yeah. wanting yeah. me to tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And sometimes I just want to be like, no, like you're just not a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you maybe you just need to like say it in a way that is simple enough for students to really understand. Yeah, and I think I think um, you know if I go back to my illustration of, of the training I did with these kids leaders who would just go in and read read the 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 set kind of teaching and walk out again actually what what i wanted to do with them was to give them the the confidence um to step outside that um and and if if something so if a kid asks a question actually not to go we'll deal with that later but to go no no no, we're going to deal with this now so i i often say the best the best bible study i ever did um was uh, and it was a, a my boys' Bible study. I do a lads' Bible study, teenage boys, and there were maybe about eight of them. And the best one ever was when only two of them turned up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd planned to do the whole of the Beatitudes. We only got through one, I think. Yeah. In the whole time, because they were like, "Well, hang, hang on, but but what does this mean?" But but if you're saying that, how how, does, how do we make sense of this? Mm-hmm. Because it's that, and and that's I think the original meaning of the term catechesis. The catechist would would come and ask the questions, yeah. um, and it would be discussed, and it would be put pulled apart and tested, and and you know, would not to be afraid of those yeah. um, of them coming back with a question we can't answer. Yeah, and going that's that's all right, but it, but that's where the top down, bottom up, you know, come together in in that kind of yeah. um, analogia spiritus, as we talked about the spirit spirit thing going on, yeah. um, really pulling it apart, really testing it, so that their faith expands, that they, they can make sense of 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 the world and of of God and, and of their yeah. lives. If I, and if I can, yeah, I, sorry, go on, Mike. Go on. No, I was just going to say that I love that you're bringing in catechesis on that, and um, it's just such a, as a Baptist, right? It's like, people like, you're a Baptist and you're talking about catechesis, so what is your deal? But it, I mean, catechesis is such an an unexplored treasure trove for yeah. Americans yeah. who have just moved past it and largely overlooked it as like, well, catechesis equals catechism, and that's just a book. It's like it, it is a dialogue. Like if you're just giving kids a catechism and calling that catechesis, then that you you are not understanding catechesis yeah. whatsoever. And I think Mike, you and I, yeah. you and I have both been quite influenced by grounded in the gospel by Packer and yeah. is it Packer and Parrot or Packer yeah. and Kang? I can't yeah, remember. Packer and Parrot. Um, yeah. Packer and Parrot, which yeah, which takes yeah. out you know the, the, those three central building blocks yeah. of of the Lord's Prayer, of the Apostles' Creed, mm-hmm. and of the Ten Commandments, but yeah. but actually putting them out there and going, yeah, let's work out what this means together. Yeah. You know, we, we've got we've got that information, we've got some revelation to share, top yeah. down, but that's, actually it's also about you working out h- how that looks like yeah. in your life, um, you know, bottom up, and and that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Get, yeah, Gareth, what were I, what I did I interrupt in, you with? No, 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 no. It's just in terms of how this cashes out, in a sense, in the dangers. It might be helpful just to explore the dangers of of the two approaches and what we're really yeah. aiming for in terms of that's the So, I mean, I guess, um, and just this picks up on some of the things that Robin's already said. You know, the danger of if you like a purist top-down approach. Not that everyone would do it completely purist. We're not again saying it's uh, uh, you know putting people in two completely separate buckets. But if you were f- emphasising that at, at the at the expense of the other, um, then you would you would undercook. I'll, I'll use the language of undercooking and overcooking 
um, the specificity of the individual and therefore the context. Yeah, so it's like yeah. an under-contextualization of the gospel. You're saying, here yeah. it is, and I don't actually care much how it's heard. I don't care yeah. much how it's you know, kind of uh, being doubted by or questioned by you. I don't care what problems it raises for you. I'm just going to tell you what it is. Um, yeah. so it's an under-contextualization of, uh, under of the gospel, yeah. um, and it will, um, it will probably under-affirm uh, some things about people. Um, you know, and so we could talk about exactly what that might look like, but it will, it will, it will not say, oh, you know, actually when, when, when the spirit meets you, it doesn't meet yeah. you as simply a sinner. It meets you as a, a, a person creating the image of God. Um, mm -hmm. and it'll under affirm things, but, but un, kind of, if you like overcooking agency, the kind of, yeah. problem, which is the problem of the bottom up side, will yeah. be, you're kind of over, over contextualizing the gospel, you know, so you're pushing it to the extreme where actually it's like, we're forgetting the objectivity. Yeah, we're forgetting the the if you like the fact of the matter, the the being yeah. of God who exists outside time and outside creation, and yeah. we're giving over too much to to the agency of the individual. And we're gonna if overplay contextualization. We're gonna over affirm at that point because we're gonna say, oh, there's more truth. If you like, there's more revelation here. There's more in this image of God thing <laughs> that we mm -hmm. we see in front of us uh, in this person. And then we're going to overcook that. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, we see that in the UK that um, there are conservative evangelicals who would say, this is how you do youth ministry. Yeah. This is how you do bi biblical youth ministry. Yeah. Or this is how you do Bible-centered church or whatever it might be. Yeah. And one size fits all. Right. Or on the other hand, a kind of more fresh expressions, uh, which is a UK term, which is basically any kind of style of church, cafe church, you know, yeah. um, skater church, um, et, et, it's so over contextualized. Mm -hmm. But I think when those two things come together, and this is where we come back to James Loder's, um, he talks about, you know, I mentioned the word transformation. Yeah. He has quite a kind of interesting um, understanding of how transformation occurs, which I think is quite helpful when we're thinking about this. He starts by saying, look, for transformation occur to occur, there must be a conflict. He talks about conflicts in, in context. In mm -hmm. other words, when when God and humanity come together, um, humanity is going to be challenged <laughs> mm -hmm. because we're not we're not Jesus yet. You know, we're not got it right. Uh, th there's going to be a gap between uh, who we are and who we're meant to be. And therefore, as as ministers of the gospel, what we need to do is I begin to help the the our young people identify what that is. And that might just take a really kind of succinct question, um, uh, uh, such that actually they're going, "Ooh, ah, uh, uh, there's a yeah, there's a there's a felt problem here. Yeah. You know, wh where's the solution?" And then yeah. he says, "Then you start scanning around. Okay, what what other possibilities might there be? Does Buddhism solve this issue of I don't know, suffering, for example? You know, um, you know, why did my dog die last night? Um, it, it'll be better than that. But you, you get the idea. <laughs> um, what does Buddhism offer? Well, yeah. maybe it's because of you know, um, or uh, karma, or you know, um, yeah. what other kind yeah. of." possibilities yeah. for explaining this are there and then um uh, i'm trying to remember the next step gareth so you've got conflict then you've got scanning and then it, then it's kind of um you find the answer and you repattern okay let just let's just check does this make sense of the rest of our of my worldview does this fit in right. um uh, and 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 james loader talks says at that point there's a kind of almost eureka moment aha you know a release of energy of kind of Ah, oh, the solution's found, um, yeah. and, and you start kind of being able to live it out. Yeah. Does, does that make some kind of sense that um, uh, actually tran for transformation, there has to be a movement from 
from where we are to where we should be. And, yeah. and our job is to sh- is to di- diagnose that and show that and help them to make that step. Yeah. So, and, and those steps help clarify what naturally happens, right? Not so it's not pursue this and then do that and then it, it's an explanation, right. not a pattern yeah. to follow. So, so much to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is just one of those questions that we have as as youth workers, right? How do I help kids change? Um, yeah. How do I help the students in my ministry to grow and mature in Christ likeness? Um, mm-hmm. So as we um, we got about five minutes uh, in our in our conversation, so I, I'd be interested in hearing your your counsel for maybe a, a new youth worker or someone who's kind of going through the process of evaluating their ministry um, and thinking, um, you know, how, how am I how am I structuring what I'm doing? How do how am I planning out the next few years of how we're what we're doing and how we're doing it and what we're teaching and how we're teaching it? Uh, what counsel do you have for the youth workers who might be listening? Well, can I start just by picking up on what you and Robin mm-hmm. have just talked about? Because um, I think you're right, Mike, that, that what Robin was saying is, if you like, uh, drawing on loader is, is a, an explanation rather kind of like a, a how-to. On the other hand, um, that being the case, I, I think I counsel youth workers to not be afraid of generating the conflict. Yes. Yeah. And I think that when I was a younger youth worker, as soon as questions started getting answered or we got into a discussion, I thought this is a red herring or this is a, um, a waste of time. Or, this is a tangent. We're going off on one here. I've got my session. I need to get through these things. Now, of course, there is a place for getting through stuff and doing that. Yeah. But I would say don't be afraid of the mess of the conflict because of all the things that Robin said, including the adolescent stage in terms of the stage of faith. Yeah. We can overplay that, I know. But, but in terms of what is going on yeah. in adolescence, in terms of identity formation, don't be afraid of, of that conflict. And don't be afraid of finishing a conversation where it's not resolved because you're not mm-hmm. going to have that conflict and go, oh, by the way, the answer is ABC. And they go, oh, thank you very much. That's great. You know, this is gonna, it's going to evolve over weeks, months, and years. So my, if you're a young youth worker out there, I would counsel you to not be afraid of that. You know, don't, it's, not a, it's not a problem. You know, if you get, you're not getting waylaid, you're not getting diverted by, well, someone might be throwing, you know, stones in deliberately and, mm-hmm. and giving you sort of unhelpful things to talk about. But, but by and large, even that playful thing, which might sound like a, a joke or a red herring, might be thrown in there because they're testing out what's, what, what's, um, what's Mike, what's Robin, what's Gareth going to say if I throw this in? Yeah. And I would say just, just learn to ride that a bit more and be comfortable with that and, and be comfortable with the fact that at the end of the night, you might not have got to the stage where they're going, yes, I understand. Uh, yeah. I have no more questions. Thank you. And I'll see you in heaven. You know, and, it's, and yeah. don't worry about that, I would say. Yeah. Robin, what you- That's really, can I pile on that real quick and just say, um, lean into the struggle and the uncertainty of things without yeah. rushing into resolving mm-hmm. the struggle for them, but also have a conversation with parents in the ministry to embrace that same thing. Yeah. Because if you're looking at struggle as a sanctifying faith building moment and parents yeah. are looking at struggle as, oh my gosh, I need to yeah. rescue my kid, yeah. then now you embracing the struggle is setting you up in opposition with the parents. And that's going to cause frustration for both parties yeah. in different senses. So yeah. it, it's a conversation not just to have with kids, but especially with the parents and to remind them um that the struggles our kids face are opportunities for yeah. us to um, kind of fan into flame yeah. our own students' faith and sanctification. Yeah, yeah. I think I think 
all I'd add is, um, so, so where Gareth says, don't be afraid of the difficult questions that they ask. I think I, you know, I'd, I'd say, don't be afraid of asking them difficult questions Yeah, and actually yeah. have some, but, and have some, I think, I think when we do things like a youth Bible study, we, we immediately go, what does verse nine say? And they learn to kind of patter and give us the answer that they think we want to hear. Mm-hmm. But actually, if we start, I think Graham Stanton um, talks about this quite a bit, doesn't he, Gareth? Um, uh, almost the speculative questions that we don't know the answers to. Uh, you know, I wonder how Zacchaeus felt as he was set up the tree. Actually, if they're seeing yeah. that there are questions that you don't know how to answer, and um, yeah. that just allow them to kind of their imagination to go, Whoa, okay, um, yeah. I think that's really valuable. Yeah. So don't be afraid of just, and as Gareth says, don't, therefore don't don't be afraid of having to throw out your whole um, your whole kind of carefully produced yeah. session. Well, and that's just being honest about your own struggle, right? Yeah. Just saying, yeah. like, hey, look, like uh, I'm not asking right. you to do or practice anything that I'm not doing and practicing. I have my own struggles with this stuff too. Yeah. And that, that's, that's key, Mike, because in, in the top-down approach, you're the guru, right? Yeah. I've got all the answers. Uh, in the bottom-up approach, you, um, no you don't even need to ex- – say again? You have no answers. You, you're no answers. <laughs> you don't even need to exist. And, and actually, in both approaches, you don't need to be a Christian. Yeah. Which is interesting. Mm, that Whereas, is interesting. What are we? Wow. What are we? We are disi- we're fellow disciples. Now, we are fellow disciples who are ahead of them on the journey, and therefore, we can say, look, I've climbed that mountain or I've, I've fallen in that, that hole. Uh, you know, here's, here's how I walked through it with Jesus. Let, you know, let me help you here. Um, but but that, that's what it means to be a fellow disciple with them um, rather than, you know, I'll tell you what to do or sorry, you're on your own, yeah. uh, which comes with both of the extremes of the other views. Yeah. Well, I'm still chewing on you saying to do top down or bottom up. You don't even have to be a Christian. But you don't. That, I mean, look, look. You just blew my if, mind right there. <laughs> it, but it, but if you go if you go back to that time, when, I see when what those you're saying, leaders, and I agree. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Wow. So those leaders walk in and they read out the the the, the board yeah. material that they've got. You don't need to be a Christian to do that. Or in what I've looked at in terms of godly play, yeah. which is a kind of very much you know you tell a story and then the children do the wondering and whatever they say is 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 fine. You don't need to be a Christian to do that either. Yeah. But actually, if you're sat there going, as I looked at this passage this week, it really challenged my own heart. Um, you know, I felt the conflict mm-hmm. and it's transformed me yeah. in this way. Let me share that, that with you as well question. as saying, let's look at what these yeah. things mean. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, um, do uh, I want to give you each a, a final word uh, to our listeners. Uh, do you want to go first, Ruben? No, you go first, Gareth. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just, just don't undercook or overcook. You know, the, the, this, this idea that we're throwing at you now, and we've thrown a lot at you, uh, but this idea of, uh, it's it's important that we retain the top-down revelation yeah. of God. Yeah, we we have nothing to say otherwise. But at the same yeah. time, don't undercook the importance of the specificity of the individual in front of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I'd say the same. Actually, um, you have people made in the image of God in front of you, and they have views and beliefs, and and you need to take that seriously um, as you teach. Yeah, that's a good word, and. Um, I think a lot of this really doesn't come down to nerdy, nerdy, nerdy ministry philosophy. It's just a, it's a thoughtful reflection on what does it mean to be a faithful pastor, right? Like, I mean, that really is the subject. Yeah, but we're it's nerds, just, Mike, so we love it. Yeah. Hey, um, this is <laughs> this is called the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm not afraid of the nerdiness, but the point is not to be, um, 
you know, theological lecturers in the youth room, but um, yeah. we, we want to pastor uh, students. We want to catechize students. We want to help our students be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So. Well, amen, as we say amen. in the UK. I once had a student ask me, uh, this is one of my favorite questions I've ever been asked by a student, um, said, uh, Pastor Mike, I've, something I've, I've always wondered with dead set earnestness, what's the difference between amen and amen? <laughs> and I, I managed to keep a straight face and I said something about the Latin roots of the different... <laughs> nice, nice. And then, and then after giving some completely absurd response then i i just cracked his mouth it's just how you pronounce it buddy <laughs> <laughs> lovely so um if people want to keep in touch with you guys how could how could people do that that's a good question we're both on twitter i think currently <laughs> um yep yeah, so i'm at robin barfield 78 gareth what are you at gareth crispin nice right. Nicely done. And I'll put your, your Twitter tags in um, the show notes for this episode. Please, so, yeah, please do. Um, thank you guys for your ministry. Thank you for um, this conversation has been really encouraging and helpful for me. And uh, I trust it has been for our listeners too. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.